Welcome to the second What You Don't Know podcast. Our guest this week is Mr. Neil Clark, and we will break down the recently released state report cards. Uh, The second piece that we will have at the end is we're going to talk about an accomplishment from one of our ECOT students. So without further ado, let's get right into the report card. Uh, Neil Clark, I know that you've been with us for the past year as a spokesperson, but I think you have a, a history in working around the state capitol for a few years. I started with the state of Ohio in 1980, so I've been around 36 years. I've gone through seven governors and a whole host of uh, general assemblies. So you've seen things change in the state house r- related to school districts and law around uh, schools and most recently the report card over the past dozen years? It's been amazing what I've been able to see. In particular, as a new governor has always come in, they've had their own education plan. So they go ahead and have the General Assembly revamp education process and how they're doing things. And so over a period of time, we have yet to have a system in place that has actually gone from K through 12 uninterrupted. And it's very reflective on what we saw yesterday with the release of the, of the grade cards. Again, it's in just three years, they've changed it three times. Exactly. We went from the OAA, OGT, to PARC, to now AIR, A-I-R. But with that, so the, the one theme that I think rang true, uh, the state superintendent, our new state superintendent, Paulo Maria, told the State Board of Education this week at state board meeting that we're raising the bar. We've continued to raise the bar. But he also said to, to caution not to be concerned because we have changed tests three years in a row that you can't compare one report card to another. But I believe immediately on the release of the report cards, I saw newspapers comparing school districts and report cards. And that's what makes it irresponsible. That's what makes it so concerning is that the press is unaware of how unimportant these tests are and how we have gone through this process. But as a result, they've written stories, and we've seen them this morning, declaring that certain districts are a failure. You know, and when you look at um, uh, trying to say to ourselves that uh, Westerville got an F or Dublin got an F, these things are just not believable. But yet, if you're from out of state and thinking about moving to Ohio to take a new job, when you realize that 50% of all of our schools got a D or an F, you have to begin to wonder why you would want to come to Ohio. I think that what's out of control here is that even in the last three years that they keep raising so-called standards, the bar, um, if they're doing that, why are you even releasing these tests? Why are you even putting these on the permanent record of our students? Why are you terrorizing the parents to think that their system, their school system's a failure? Why in the world would you vote for a levy um, for a district that got an F? The system is broken, and unfortunately, people don't want to accept it, and the press is not being responsive enough to see how broken it is. Well, no, I, I read one of the superintendents in the state uh, brought up the issue of future graduation of, of our s- students, and the one thing that we do at ECOT is we graduate kids. You know, over 5% of the kids in the state of Ohio that get a diploma get it from ECOT. But I share the same concern as this superintendent in that you take ECOT's report card this year, and let's say that in every area we improve. But the state has already voted this past week at the state board meeting to raise the bar once again. So even if I improve, there's a chance that my overall district report cards go down. But the second point, what are we going to do in two years when the 
safe harbor we've given to students and say, oh, you're not accountable for these tests, don't worry about it. Hey, they still have to worry about it because they have to graduate from high school. What are we going to do when we have a mass group of students that can no longer graduate from high school? Then, then what's the answer to that? First of all, we need to uh, you know, applaud ECOT and its graduation. You know, we take a lot of abuse from press and others about uh, how the school is actually uh, operating. It's interesting to note that many of our students that, that come here start two years behind. And, you know, it may take us until you're 22 or older to graduate, but we get the job done. And part of the, the, the success here is that we've taken those that didn't have a chance in a normal bricks and mortar school and give them access. That was even acknowledged by uh, the chairman of the Senate Education Committee last week at the Met uh, Columbus Metropolitan Club when she said, you know, the students at ECOT start two years behind. You know, when you get into the, the nuts and bolts of this system, even an F uh, in the new grade system is in degrees. But they don't say that to the, to the press. They're in degrees. In other words, to get an F, you have to have a negative 2. But there are many schools like Dayton that had a negative 46 get an F, but yet they get an A for value added. So my advice to the people that are living in Dublin and they're seeing that their school's an F, just move to Dayton. How many people would actually take that and say, that I really want to do that? Cleveland, who we spent buku dollars on it for the state of Ohio, created a whole new process that gave their business leaders the opportunity to rearrange the school. It's been now three years. They got across-the-board Fs. That's it. Um, the process is broken. The, the system that we've allowed and, uh, and elected uh, the, the Board of Education, we gave them autonomy years ago. I believe under George Voinovich, uh, we have 11 members that are elected statewide. We have nine that are appointed by the governor, and the system isn't working. And they're allowing this to happen. They're allowing to confuse the families. They're allowing to confuse schools. And they're setting a perception nationwide that Ohio is a state of morons, and we're not. So let's talk about some of the numbers. Isn't the state board by the way they've raised the standards, actually creating an educational crisis? Because if, if we're to believe that the numbers are true, then let me read you a couple numbers and, and, and explain what I'm talking about. So K-3 literacy. In, the, in our state, we have 1,598 school buildings that were rated on K-3 literacy that have students that attend kindergarten through third grade. 18 of those school buildings received an A, 1.1% of our school buildings are performing at an A level in teaching students kindergarten through third grade literacy. 837 received an F. That's nearly 53%. So I guess what I'm saying is 53% of our children in the state are attending a school building that fells the state's K-3 literacy measure. Well, it's interesting because, you know, typically charter schools and OEA are on opposite sides of the fence. But I'm going to read a quote from Ohio Education Association President Becky Higgins that appeared last night about the state report card that was released. It says, well, one, she calls the system flawed and says this year's report cards are a continuation of years of misguided state policies 
that place entirely too much emphasis on standardized test scores and not enough focus on what our schools are doing to provide high quality learning opportunities for our students. I, actually, I couldn't agree more with that. Statement. No, I think she has some great words. I, the only word that I think she was misstated is flawed. It, it's not flawed, it's broken. It, it, it needs to be thrown out and start it all over again. But this time when you start all over again, give a peace of mind to let the system work for six, seven, eight years and not change it every other year. Changing a process every year is ridiculous. It shows you're incompetent. It shows that you don't know how to really do this, is that you're flying on the seat of your pants. And what we thought was going to be beneficial to have an elected, uh, partial, ele- partially elected, partially appointed state school board has turned out to be nothing but a total failure. So one of the things when I first pulled these numbers and began pouring over them uh, yesterday and then into last night, so you've got 85.5% of the students in, in this state that the school buildings they attend received an F and AMO. We've already said that, you know, 53% of the case, three students attend a building that gets an F. Um, indicators met, just basically did your kids pass proficiently. Um, 61.7% of the kids attend a building that doesn't do that. But yet we have people out there that, that don't believe in school choice. Don't these numbers scream that, as a parent, I should have the choice to take my student where I think they'll get the best education? Uh, This this screams more than just that. It screams that the parents and property owners and people of of, districts, whether they're uh, labor or they're administrators, need to rebel. They need to put their foot down and scream and shout that the system is broken and it needs to be replaced. You know, when you look at the column that hasn't yet really been fully implemented by using the ACT and SAT scores, you're looking at almost 56% of the kids that are in in high school uh, or in, in this process are not prepared for the future. And that should be chilling to parents as they're wondering what's going to be happening to their kids it's, it's bad enough that the cost of education for higher education is outrageous, and then you start lurking at that they're not prepared for it should be an alarm that keeps going off and off and off. So, Neil, when I look at the overall report cards, there, there was only one district in the state of Ohio that received all A's, A on everything, and it was Ottawa Hills, a suburb of Toledo. So I guess what we ought to tell everyone in the state is to go study what Ottawa Hills is doing because that – that's where it happens, and I think they spend significantly more money per pupil than the rest of us. So I guess what the, the state board is saying to the legislature is we should fund schools at a higher rate because we all need to be like Ottawa Hills. You know, a lot of this, a lot of this uh, the stuff that we see today was the genesis of the state not wanting to put additional dollars into education and say, no, our kids aren't being taught right. Now we kept kicking the can down the street, and we keep saying they're not being taught right because you're not, you know, you look at your scores. You don't have to give somebody money for scores. Well, Otto Hills, I'm sure that their pu- per pupil expenditure is greater than $16,000. I'm sure that Cleveland, that got all straight Fs, is well over $16,000. Okay, and so it isn't just about money, but it's also about where we in this state pick and choose certain school districts based on their community leadership of whether or not we're going to give them accommodations for these failing scores when most people should be saying 
The system is broken and I won't tolerate it. And when uh, the reporters call suburban schools and say, why did you get an F? You should say, I don't believe that garbage, throw it away. It's just garbage in and garbage out, as far as I'm concerned. So as ECOT superintendent, even though we received an F in value added this year, uh, Olin Tangy, which is a suburb here in Columbus, received an F that was a greater F than what we received. So I should say that you should send your kids to ECOT because Olin Tangy felt value added worse than we did. But this is why this degree of Fs is very uh, humorous. And the press doesn't realize there's degrees of these Fs. And this really, it is a, the statement that you made is an accurate statement. The, the, the comparisons to using ECOT to a bricks and mortar is ridiculous because Johnny and Joey started in first grade and more than likely they ended up uh, going to that, to that same school district and finished 12th grade together. ECOT is more of a transient, very highly mobile school that doesn't have John and Joey starting in first grade and finishing through 12th. So we need to look at a lot of different factors that are happening in the school system. And even uh, the, the Senator Lehner, chairman of Senate Finance, even acknowledged that at the Metropolitan Club the other day. We ought to keep in mind is that we had 17,000 students here last year, and only 1,700 were basically in this grading system. So we're not talking about the bulk of our students. We're talking about 1,700 that attend classes from three through eight. So when you're pointing fingers and you're throwing, you know, rotten apples at people, you ought to realize that it's affecting your own school district. You, too, have the same kind of problems that we do struggling with um, students and this new grading system. And I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm quite happy that 85% of the school's get D's or F's, because maybe now somebody will stand up and say it's broken and it needs to be fixed. A number of superintendents from all over the state are saying the same thing. What's the ultimate solution? I mean, how, how do we get this? Because obviously when the state board again this week passes raising the bar and raising the standards again, obviously they feel that as long as we just keep raising the standards, all the teachers in the state and the curriculum in the state, we're going we're gonna to beat this to where everybody's going to rise up. And what I know is kids tend to do better when they're having success, not when you beat them down. So what do you see as the ultimate, as a solution to this? I used to, uh, I represented the Cincinnati school system for 15 years. And they always had to struggle to improve their own system without the help of the state of Ohio because they're always considered to be a low-income, high-wealth district for property. And based on how the formula was going, they never really got a fair shake. So they created their own education process. They created their own systems. And when Cleveland was failing and falling apart and Cincinnati went and said, hey, we need the same help they do, they ignored them. When Dayton complained, they helped them. When Columbus complained, they helped them. When Cincinnati complained, they didn't help them. And this is what I believe when I say a system is broken. This, this year, if somebody's up for election for the school board, don't reelect them. Don't reelect the incumbents. Clean house or, better yet, you know, maybe the General Assembly ought to either take their powers away or put a constitutional amendment on the ballot to restructure the Board of Education and the Department of Education that would make it far more satisfactory for the taxpayers of this state.
Well, no, I think this is going to be an ongoing, uh, I don't want to call it a battle, but the system's so broken that any way you look at report card numbers, it, it doesn't make any sense. The, 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 it doesn't stop with just this podcast. It's, it continues with people bashing on a regular basis, improving the points, let the, let the numbers speak for themselves. And the press at some point is going to realize that these numbers are all flawed. And why they're flawed is that none of us can duplicate it. You know why you can't duplicate it? Because it's all concocted by a black box from out of state. It's not even an in-state box. This, the box that we're talking about here is, you know, created in a, out of state by someone else. But, but Neil, you know what? And I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but what tends to happen to us is as superintendents and school districts complain to the state, or even let's take it a step farther in our situation with sponsors, whenever we complain, we're just told we don't want accountability. You don't want accountability. You don't like accountability. And that's not true at all. What we want is reasonable accountability set up on measures that are proven and something that we know what they're calculating. When a value-added score comes out, it's done in Cary, North Carolina, and we never see it until the report card comes. There's no way to duplicate it. Well, no, I think we're going to wrap up our portion of, of this today. Thank you so much for coming down. My pleasure. Down. Thank you very it's much. It's always a pleasure to sit and talk about these uh, situations uh, with you. But uh, Thank you very I, much. Best of luck to you and your school. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Today in our segment of Rick Raves, I would like to congratulate student Pablo Paguero. Pablo is a violinist who has recently played Carnegie Hall. He's a member of the Cincinnati Youth Orchestra. Pablo came to ECOT uh, after being encouraged by his teacher to do more violin lessons. And by attending a school like ECOT, his teacher says that it's allowed him the time to practice, to be successful in, the chosen, in his chosen field. Pablo wants that after graduation to go to the Manhattan School of Music, and there's nothing I would like better than to shake Pablo's hand at the end of this year and congratulate him uh, as he graduates from ECOT and, and heads toward his dream in Manhattan. So congratulations, Pablo. Uh, one more little shout-out that I want to give since we've spent the day talking about report cards. Uh, Mr. Clark, I'd like to tell you that when breaking down the report card last night, that ECOT's fourth grade teachers got the first ever value-added A in language arts here at ECOT for the fourth grade. So congratulations to the fourth grade teachers at ECOT on all your hard work last year. Much appreciated. Well, this concludes our second episode of What You Don't Know here at ECOT. I want to thank my guest, Neil Clark, for being with us today. Uh, from the audience, if you want to email me at my email address for any questions you'd like to ask for me to respond to on the air or at social media hashtag Rick Responds. I can read your comments or questions on the next show. You can also look at iTunes to view this podcast again. Again, until next time, this has been Rick Teeters, your superintendent at ECOT. Thank you for watching and thanks, Neil, for being on our show today.